0: From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And I have taken care of the one toke, well, well, okay, maybe it was two or three, but I'm ready. And welcome back to another episode of the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first time... I hope you're ready for a bunch of cannabis information for the next few minutes on what, in fact, may be one of the longest episodes of the Cannabis Podcast. We have a feature conversation with Tanner Stewart, who is the CEO of Stewart Farms in New Brunswick. This entrepreneur has some very strong opinions on many things about cannabis, and he's leading some great innovations at Stewart Farms. That is our feature conversation on this episode. We're going to start off with a couple of quick retail updates before we get into the conversation with Tanner. And so that we don't leave you disappointed, we're also going to throw in a Cultivar Corner. We're going to stop at Cultivar Corner for a taste of some rather sweet L.A. Kush cake. All of that and more on episode 63 of the Cannabis Podcast. And thanks to CannabisRetailer.ca for a couple of retail updates before we get into the conversation with Tanner. Medical registrations are increasing, apparently. This from January 15th from CannabisRetailer.ca, and Jackie Maynard is the author of this. As of September 2020, there are 420,235 Canadians registered as medical cannabis users. Of those, 377,024 purchase their medicine from federally licensed producers, and 43,211 are registered with Health Canada for personal and designated cultivation of medical cannabis. Now, the number may seem small, but it continues to grow quickly. Over the summer, the number of medical cannabis patient registrations grew by 24%, and patients registered to grow their own medical cannabis increase by 29%, despite COVID-19-related delays from Health Canada. In fact, due to these delays, the cannabis regulations were amended in June to temporarily push the expiration date for existing registrations back six months. Now, the reported numbers can be somewhat deceptive. As COVID-19 hit, and the entirety of Canada, particularly governmental bodies, were scrambling to set up an effective work-from-home strategy for employees, Health Canada fell behind with registrations, and the reported numbers fell by 5%, from 320,340 in April to just over 300,000 in June, before jumping back to their current place. Now, when it comes to healthcare professionals writing prescriptions for patients to grow cannabis themselves, they generally authorize an incredibly high dose. While patients who purchase their cannabis from licensed producers are only authorized 2 to 3 grams per day, some healthcare professionals are authorizing an average of 36.2 grams per day for patients who grow their own. Well, since this amount is well above the daily average that published evidence and guidance suggest, Health Canada is concerned that some actors may be abusing the system. So that's the first retail update that I wanted to stop on, and the other one that I thought was I've seen evidence of Sales of extracts in Canada increased eight and a quarter percent in September. There was 1,205,000 plus units purchased, spurring a 28% increase in production to meet demand. And I can attest to that. Vapes are very, very popular. And and it's nice to see that our local producer Valens is involved in a whole lot of white labeling for vapes. Fabulous how that industry has taken off. That's a couple of quick updates from the retail sector. Now, let's get to my conversation with Tanner Stewart. After two years of legalization, cannabis consumers are fed up with wasteful packaging. Under Brunswick-based licensed producer, Stewart Farms, is challenging the cannabis industry's approach to packaging, with the launch of its first cannabis products, all-natural THC CBD bath products, packaged in the cannabis industry's first truly biodegradable outer packaging, including the shrink wrap. And now here is my conversation with Tanner Stewart, CEO of Stewart Farms. And why don't you give me a sense of what Stewart Farms is all about and what first got you interested in cannabis?
1: Yeah, um, well, my uh, my interest in cannabis started, like many people, uh, you know, almost two decades ago in high school. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, it was uh, me and a bunch of friends, you know, in the woods uh, trying it for the first time. And uh, so it's been kind of part of my part of my uh, journey uh, for quite a long time.
0: Yeah, we share that in common.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I ended up in the uh, you know putting Stewart Farms together. It was actually uh, I got into business uh, in general about 16 years ago. I became an entrepreneur. I started a construction company out in uh, out in Alberta. And through that journey, about 6 years ago, I ended up investing in a uh Technology company called Neutroponics, which was focused on semi-closed loop agriculture. So the combination of land-based fish farming combined with vertical farming. So I essentially became a indoor vertical aquaponics farmer uh, six years ago. We were doing tilapia, uh, and then you know Swiss chard, arugula, kale, basil's, um, any leafy green basically you could think of. And then as and then leading to twenty eighteen. Uh, I realized that uh, you know there's a huge gap in the cannabis industry and lack of focus uh, on sustainability, um, you know, whether it be from the farming perspective. Or from the consumer packaged goods perspective, and uh, and and I also, you know, had a much longer relationship with cannabis than I than I have had with uh, leafy greens. So I decided to make the move over into uh, into cannabis in 2018. Uh, I purchased a building in New Brunswick, where where we're, we're currently located, and uh, you know, because I, I grew up in in New Brunswick, although I was in Alberta for the last 16 years. And I thought, you know, hey, uh, New Brunswick has some of the cheapest electricity in Canada, uh, some of the most affordable labor rates, and uh, cost of living as well. And uh, and I thought, economically and on a federal uh, kind of from a federal perspective, that uh, this would be one of the most competitive jurisdictions in Canada to run a cannabis company out of. So I, so I really didn't leave behind. The technology side of of aquaponics and vertical farming. Although we're not vertical farming with Stewart Farms right now, but we are uh, we we do have our first phase of a small fish farm up and running and installed, and we're going to be plugging that into our irrigation system within the next couple months, and uh, and we're going to start uh, feeding our uh, our. Uh, uh, Plants that are currently be grow, being grown in living soil, uh, but we're going to plug our fish system into into those uh, into our whole production system here uh, wow. very shortly. So,
0: so even yeah. pumping up the living soil concept.
1: Oh yeah, I mean I, I'm a I'm a huge. Uh, I actually produced a film uh, about soil called uh, The Need to Grow, uh, and uh, it's been out on rotating online release for the last couple of years. Um, uh, but Rosario Dawson, Rosario Dawson narrates it it became an even bigger deal recently because uh you know Rosario Dawson was already a huge deal for us uh to begin with but but as a sci-fi geek and huge star wars fan she is now ahsoka tanu uh which that was episode five of the mandalorian so she's a jedi now so so (laughs) so so when she originally narrated our film she wasn't a jedi but now she's a jedi (laughs) that's very very cool (laughs) yeah but it's all about living soil so 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 i'm a huge living soil advocate and um and you know that goes hand in hand with with aquaponics right you know if you're an aquaponics farmer you believe in you know, living, living, grow mediums, basically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. Well, it sounds like what you're doing at, at Stewart Farms has some, some real innovation to, to the approach, unlike what we've seen in, in some of the industries. Give me a sense of, of what you guys are doing. I know that the, the biodegradable packaging is a big deal for you, uh, Tanner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Give me a sense of, of, of what really appeals to you with what you're doing at Stewart Farms in, in that regard
1: yeah so as you mentioned we we just we just launched our uh, first products into the Canadian market um, in New Brunswick and also in Alberta we, we chose bath bombs <laughs> to to, uh, to put our first foot forward
0: yeah I think that's a, I think that's a cool first first entry
1: <laughs> yeah we're pretty excited about it and and uh, you know pun intended it happened completely organically uh, <laughs> you know o- over the last year and a half. Um, originally we had d- did these bath bombs as an interesting concept to teach people about terpenes within cannabis strains. So our first three bath bombs are, are Bubba Kush train wreck and blue dream. So those are all classic and and quite popular cannabis strains. So the idea was, yeah. So we said, you know, well, why don't we take those strains uh, or a series of strains and we will look at the terpene profile per strain and we'll copy the terpene profile uh, botanically with botanical terpenes, design a bath bomb. And, you know, we did soaps and teas as well. And and then really just educate people about, hey, terpenes are actually essential oils and terpenes and essential oils are in every plant in nature and just draw that connection and start that conversation. And we did them as a giveaway. And we, we start we just gave them away a year and a half ago And at this event, the World Cannabis Congress in St. John, I think it was June 2019, uh, that 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 conference occurred. It actually, it was the same conference that Martha Stewart was at. Bruce, when when Bruce Linton announced the Martha Stewart partnership with Canopy, Martha Stewart was there. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, I tried to I tried to tell her that uh, I was her long lost son, but she didn't buy it. I was you know I was, I was, it was it was kind of an investment play, but it didn't work out. Why but, wouldn't uh, you try uh, that? Eh? <laughs> you know, I was like, Mom, it's me. You know, good Your uh, <laughs> you know, security guard just me white uh so it was it was a great event and we had tons of people through our through our, our um we did a cannabis museum basically of all about the history of medical cannabis and at the very end of it People went through our, our, our venue and they got to collect their bath bombs and their teas and their soaps. They had a little shopping bag and, and they were just blown away. And then we had all kinds of people say, you know, hey, can I wholesale these? And and none of this was infused, right? So okay. th- th- these are all non-infused products, right, okay. at this time. So we said, hey, well, why don't we start selling our non-infused products? So so we started selling these, these products essentially with no cannabis in them online uh, okay. last, you know, December 2019. And people... You know, just they got great reviews. People love them. So then we then we eventually realized when we got our license in April twenty twenty this past year, we were like, my gosh, like these nothing like this is on the market yet. We have to hurry up and get this on the market, right? (laughs) So 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 all of a sudden, this free giveaway that was meant to be an educational tool to help. Uh, you know, kind of move the whole industry forward and educate about terpenes is is currently the most, one of the most important things our company is doing, (laughs) you know, it's, it's the first thing that we're generating revenue off. So then when you get back to the packaging side of it, you know, that's who we are, who we are as a company from the inside out is we're innovation based, right? We're, we're completely focused on long-term agriculture, innovation, medical innovation with a sustainability throughput or through line you know that's that our core it's all about how can we be more sustainable so it was really important to us to do everything possible to try to not put more microplastics out oh into boy. the world so Is that right yeah so we've succeeded with our first product i know i'm not sure we're going to be able to do it every time but i can tell you this whatever we can do to have next to no plastic in every single consumer package good we put on the market. That's what we're going to do. And, right, And
0: and that is fabulous, Tanner, because as you well know, and, and you've kind of indicated as well, that is such a huge issue in the cannabis world right now. The the amount of packaging that we are are generating and consuming is astronomical compared to before we had legal cannabis in here. So good on you. I'm really pleased to hear that.
1: No, oh, thank you. Thank you. No, it, it, you know, it feels good. And, and, uh, and, you know, I like talking about it because, you know, hopefully it brings our peers and, and competitors uh, online yeah, with it as well. Right? Absolutely. It's it's set
0: a new mark for, for people to go for. Yep. And, and, and why yep. stick with the norm when there's a when there's a better way to do it. So let's, let's dive into a little bit more of, about these biodegradable uh, products for packaging that you're talking about. And I'm looking at some of the notes that uh, I got from Victoria, who's the one who set this interview up. Um, so mm-hmm. innovative cannabis application of, uh, what is it called? Biolefin? Is that how am I pronouncing that yeah. right?
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, so it's basically the exterior of the package is a box, right? So that's the easiest way, <laughs> you know, one of the easiest things to go with instead of plastic is you can use a box. And then the bath bomb itself is, is wrapped in what, what it, it is a plastic variation, but, but it ha- it looks like saran wrap but it has a special a special chemical in it that ensures it's actually biodegradable and it biodegrades not into microplastics but into food for microorganisms so that's that's why we can you know state that zero microplastics will yeah. be left behind <clears throat> and that uh, was a fascinating
0: aspect when when i was looking at the at the notes for this that was the part that truly amazed me that that you not only have gotten rid of the plastic but you're literally contributing to the better environment as, as this goes through its disposal process. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And, and, and our, our price point. Uh, on on the product now. First off, our bath bombs in Alberta are are retailing at about seventeen ninety nine maximum, and then here in here in uh, New Brunswick, they're running at about sixteen ninety nine. And there's just a little bit of a difference in taxation and whatnot, right, between the two provinces, which which drives a different MSRP uh, <laughs> in each province. Yeah. But the significance of that is we've got a hundred milligrams 50 milligrams of THC and 50 milligrams of CBD mm-hmm. in these bath bombs the ingredients are, are are a combination of natural and organic ingredients in the bath bomb so we're we're equal to the quality of uh, or better than uh, the best bath bombs that a company like Lush makes right now right so we're we're kind of like at the top of the non-infused bath bomb quality food chain and we have a significant amount of cannabinoids in in the unit and we have a plastic free package and we're equal to or better than the illicit market pricing of these same products so that's 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 the real that's the real i mean there's 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 some of our illicit market competitors that are selling you know fifty milligram cannabinoid products for sixteen dollars so they they have half that they have half the cannabinoids in a plastic container yeah, exactly. with no regulation and yeah. they're the same price. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, so we're, we're pretty proud about that.
0: And well you should be I mean you hit the trifecta there the the, the triple play well done. That's very impressive. So a question that's Thank always that, that I have always been asked in relation to bath bombs and I'm going to throw it at you. So you've already said that there's THC, there's 50 milligrams of THC, 50 milligrams of CBD in it. And the question I always get asked, and I'm going to throw it right at you, Tanner, uh, how do they work and do you get high?
1: So the reason we put 50 milligrams of THC and 50 milligrams of CBD and not just pure CBD in the bath bomb is because we're really trying to ensure that we maximize the potential effect of the experience. And And, you know, what is proven and is known is CBD is anti-inflammatory. We have a ton of cannabinoid receptors, you know, a little more geared to CBD than THC on our skin. So CBD is very effective topically. Now, THC is antibacterial and antifungal, right? And is more often than CBD attributed to more acute pain relief, so uh, what I can tell you is you definitely feel it. Now, one's definition of getting high will vary from person to person, uh, but it, it, it honestly does. And, and you know, and as an example, the, the reports that we've been getting back from the customers <clears throat> that have been using these things are, are one lady said that she got in the bathtub, you know, she's been having knee pain for three to four weeks. And she got out of the tub with, you know, feeling quite relieved without that without that pain. Uh, we had a, we had another we had another uh, another girl say you know she had the best sleep that she's had in months. Lots of reports of just like feeling very relaxed and tingly and a bit warm and heavy. You know, a bit kind of sedated. So I can't say that every. Person that interacts with these bath bombs is going to have the same experience because that's just not how cannabis works. Exactly, that is not experience. how cannabis works, right? It's not how any drug works. No. It's not how any drug works. It's yeah, not how Tylenol works. It's not how morphine works, and it's definitely not how cannabis works. Yeah, right? no, very good point. Then, but I can tell you one thing: people's skin feels great and soft. They smell great, and they and they and they feel great. They're going to feel a lot better when they get into that. Bath than than when they got in, and and the general experience will vary a bit.
0: And and as you already indicated, everybody's general experience with cannabis is different, so you shouldn't expect it to be the same from person to person. That is very cool. I had I, I've often wondered what the effects are. I've never actually done a bath bomb with with both THC and CBD, so. Of course, I'm not a big bath bomb guy, anyways. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but you're starting to intrigue me, and and I do know my wife would be interested in, in, in using the bath bomb. So, oh, yeah. Uh, well, you, what are your plans for uh, the rest of the country? Right now, you're in Alberta and New Brunswick. Any chance it's uh, coming to BC anytime soon?
1: Oh yeah. Um. Uh, so so hopefully, hopefully within Q two, we'll be able to launch uh, more or less in the uh, in the rest of Canada and And that really is purely a a manufacturing ramp up and a constraint, right? So it's like making sure that we we uh, ramp up at the proper proper speed uh, to and and ensure that every time we launch in a market that we don't have any gaps, right? So it's kind of nice that we started in two provinces. So right now, our number one mission is to make sure Alberta doesn't run out and make sure New Brunswick doesn't run out. And as soon as we can within q two, Bring BC online, um, you know, Ontario, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the rest of the East Coast. I mean, our, our, our goal is to be across Canada with hopefully more than just bath bombs. Yeah, uh, absolutely. By, by the end of 2021.
0: So, so you do have other plans? Uh, bath bombs is, is is the the product that the universe decided you should put out first. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you do have some plans for others?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got – we we have – Ooh, I would say about six to ten products outside of the bath bombs currently in development. Um, I, I, I don't want to bring them up on on this podcast, course, but no, as I, no. but, I <laughs> but, <laughs> you but don't want to let anybody know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, they're 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 all being designed with the same intent and ethics and and and. Um, uh, through through line that 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 we're developing all our other products with.
0: So. Yeah, well, it, well, and you've impressed me with with the the ethics of your company and and the approach that you're taking on all these things. Very very impressive. So you may have touched on this earlier when when you talked a little bit about introducing some fish oil into this. But can you describe for me what regenerative, if I can say the word, and I and I, I haven't had enough to smoke here today. That's why I'm not able to speak <laughs> properly. Regenerative <laughs> cannabis farming. What's all that about, Tanner?
1: Yeah, so we're really trying to adopt the language of and and the word regenerative. Uh, See, it's tough for you to play. say too. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it actually, it is, it is tough for you to say. <laughs> so it's not the best marketing word. <laughs> well, you'll find a different <laughs> twist. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it just it it is more specific and more meaningful than sustainable. Sustainability which of course i still you know i still use that word continuously because i know what sustainability means to me right but it's so up for debate whereas the word regenerative is more specific and a lot clearer than the word sustainable for something to be regenerative you know you have to be giving back, right? You have to be creating something or making something new again or, or, or fixing something, right? The word sustainable, well, what's your definition of sustainable, right? I'm only wasting this much or I'm only wasting that much. So we're really trying to shift our focus and metrics as a company to that core value. Well, it's not really shifting, it's just a better description, actually, of what our focus is anyways. So for us, what that means is understanding the impact of everything we do, uh, assessing where all the waste is in our process, whether it's on the consumer package good manufacturing side or it's on the farming side, you know how much water are we wasting? Uh, are we using disposable plastic, anything where we where we can get rid of that, right? Uh, you know what what are what are the what are the impacts of moving away from this disposable thing over to this thing that we have to clean? Do we have to use chemicals to clean it, right? It's really just kind of first understanding where we're at. And then part two is understanding what we're doing to give back. So the perfect example I can give you from our cultivation is that we're composting all of our living soil. And we're composting all of our root balls and all of our and all of our uh, fan leaves and all of our biomass. Right. We had a great big compost pile where we're, we're going to continue to feed into that compost pile. So none of that's n- none of our none of our organic outputs from our farming operations are getting mixed with, you know, urea, which was which was happening in the earliest days of, of our industry. Uh, well, everybody was using kitty litter <laughs> to destroy. There, it was right in the Health Canada example.
0: Yeah, still bizarre.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some people are still doing that, and 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 uh, you know, and it's just really from a perspective of of uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to call that laziness. Actually, there's no there's nothing more to call that than laziness because you know we just changed our SOPs to compost. Right, what Health Canada wants to understand that you're destroying the product. And that you're tracking everything i mean i mean, really health canada's regulations are about uh, ensuring you're not doing anything illicit right yeah, that's, really, that's that's the that's whole what point it is, yeah. You're not, mm-hmm. yeah you're not selling you know you're not pretending you're destroying something and selling it out the back door that's the whole purpose so we just formatted our sop that we you know have our our waste basically kind of get mixed with soil so you mix all your your biomass with soil and water and you let it rot for a day or 12 hours and then you put it in the compost pile end of story and uh, then we're going to use that compost pile to either grow um more outdoor cannabis crops or tanner stewart and the stewart family will have uh the best vegetable garden in all of New Brunswick.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I could just imagine what the vegetables would come would come out of that. And, and then you could talk about infused vegetables after that. <laughs>
1: exactly. See exactly. The universe touched that, that idea. <laughs> then I can get back to lettuce again. Yeah, there Here's you lettuce. go. So so with with the
0: experience you've had in, in building Stewart Farms, Tanner, and, and all the effort you've done and, and you've been looking as we all have been at the legal cannabis world for the last two years. What what do you think are, are some of the things that they just didn't get right from the beginning that you'd like to see some changes made to?
1: Oh, okay. Do we have another hour? Um, <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, that no, might I'll be just, a bit <laughs> too much of a question, but I'll I'll take your answer anyways.
1: Such a load of questions. Um, okay, well, I mean, first off, taxing medical cannabis. Like, that is uh, completely unethical. Uh, it needs to be eliminated immediately. As far as I'm aware... Uh, There is no tax on any other medication in Canada. So that through action is a statement that part of the legalization maneuver was and is to generate revenue. So as a government, you can't say that we are doing this to remove the illicit market on one hand and on, on the other hand, take something that's classified as a medical tool and drug and tax it where you're not taxing big pharma. Right. So that is, that is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest sin in our industry, action and words. So you got to look at the action, ignore the words. And, uh, you know, so, so it's a huge travesty. And then, you know, in the recreational side of our market, if I had to pick one, and I will just I will just pick one major one, it's uh, the advertising regulations and constraints, and of course taxes taxes as well, right? You know, to ta- taxes are, are are robust on the recreational side. You know, if I can take my kids into the liquor store, and there's a pirate. Captain Morgan, who, by the way, that pirate has cost me a lot of nights, <laughs> give me a lot of bad memories, right? And, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, but he looks like he looks like a, a kid's character totally. and there's these cartoons on these beer cans and so on and so forth. So if something and, and, and I don't like comparing cannabis to alcohol, but in, in you know, via advertising regulations. Yeah, it to. is the most appropriate thing. Yeah. yeah, you have to, because like alcohol is killing people every single day. Proven statistics, I think now, now you have to verify this, but but I think on a global scale, so, some atrocious percentage, something like 40 percent. And again, we'll have to double check this number, but but some atrocious percentage of murders globally are connected to alcohol, period. Full stop. Right. And and it's legal and we can advertise it and there's commercials about it and there is no medical alcohol industry. And that's true too. So, yeah, so never thought right. of that before. No, there's no medical <laughs> alcohol industry. I mean, other than actually alcohol that we use on cuts. But I mean, you know, but yeah. it's not. It's a disinfectant, right? You know, I use I use alcohol to disinfect the floors of my cannabis facility, and I drink it on Friday night. And uh, oh, it's 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 disgusting. And meanwhile, we have uh, this miracle plant. That we can't even, you know, and all I'm, my whole point here is give us the same leeway that alcohol has, or give alcohol the same restrictions we have.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it, it, absolutely, pick, go go the other way if you can't make it better pick, for the cannabis world.
1: Exactly, yeah. pick one or the other. Bring bring out bring, bring alcohol to us right away, like tomorrow, and then. Start treating alcohol like you treat cigarettes, because that's where it's at, and listen, I enjoy wine, I drink I'm not so you know I'm not Mr. sobriety over here, and i've had lo- I've had lots of lots of negative run-ins with alcohol since I was a teenager as many and, have. And, exactly and 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 I'm not blaming the world for that <laughs> um but but I can tell you that I engaged with cannabis six months. Uh, just pretty much six months before I started drinking. Okay. And uh, when I put the two in parallel from, you know, being a young man to today, my best friendships and best experience and best memories. Usually involved cannabis and hanging out in the woods and hanging out in cars and yeah. hanging out at yeah. the skate park and yeah. you know it was all good. We weren't getting in trouble. Yeah. We were watching movies. I mean, I remember. I remember one day like there was a snow day, as we have in New Brunswick, because you of get course. three feet of snow in twelve hours. <laughs> and uh, and I think me and my buddies, like I mean, it's a bunch of teenage guys. We we were at my house we're smoking weed and we're watching save a private Ryan, you know, I shouldn't be telling people that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but that's the opposite of getting in trouble. Totally. Meanwhile, me and these same guys go out drinking and Mm -hmm. it is a disaster, Mm -hmm. like an absolute disaster. We're getting in trouble. We're lucky we're not getting arrested. Like it's just, you know, it's right there. What more evidence does the government need? Yeah.
0: Well, they're just not paying attention to that evidence. So. No that that's no. a very good point. Well I, I am yeah. glad I asked the question cuz cuz those were two r- incredibly relevant points that you raised b- between what we're facing now after legalization and and where we should go. So let's take that one more step further Tanner. What what do you think they still need to do? Again not looking for an hours conversation in regards to it, but but what <laughs> do you think the next the next the b- next biggest thing that they could do to improve the industry today?
1: Well I I mean you know uh Lower, um, I mean, lower ta- eliminate taxes on medical cannabis. That would be massive. it yeah, um, sure would be. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, I know it's back to the other point, but that's one of the most important things they need to do immediately and right away. Legislate, legislate insurance companies to cover medical cannabis the same as they cover every, every other drug for every person in Canada. So uh, those both of those things. Are necessary. They need to happen long term. They actually will save insurance companies money and save the government money, because without knowing the exact numbers, um, I, I am quite certain that most of these pharmaceuticals are far more expensive, depending on the pharmaceutical, than 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 medical cannabis. So forcing insurance companies to cover—they're all—they're all going that way anyways, because actually insurance companies are doing the math and establishing that. Medical cannabis is cheaper in a, in a lot of cases than pharmaceuticals. So there's a financial movement there anyways, but we gotta move we need to move quicker. And then also banking, same thing. The Canadian government needs to legislate these banks and and I'll, and I'll call them out RBC, Scotia Bank, Toronto Dominion Bank, now, Toronto Dominion Bank is called Toronto Dominion, but they're not, which is, a, I think that's Canadian, and, and, uh, and they are not funding cannabis companies, right? That is asinine. This is a legal industry. So we need, I'm not a criminal. Nobody in the legal side of this industry is a criminal. But if I, I literally have to avoid saying the word cannabis, when, I, when I'm dealing with, um, like, I own a construction company still, right? Sure. And this is an exact thing that happened to me two weeks ago. I, I put in an email that my construction company was, uh, they said, what type of work are you looking at doing in 2021? And I said, uh, oh, well, we're looking at, uh, you know, we're going to continue the traditional work we've been doing, but we're also looking at, you know, expanding into, you know, windmills, doing work on uh, potentially solar farms, cannabis facilities, greenhouses, right? I put put a big long list, right? Because I put the word cannabis facility in that email, I got grilled for like 30 minutes on a completely not like this is my construction company has nothing to do with this cannabis company, but it was the red flag because I put the word cannabis in, and it's all because they have dealings in the U.S., right? I'm getting well, so
0: tired of that answer that, that it's related to people's dealings in the U.S.
1: <laughs> well, we're not the U.S. Exactly. So, 100%. So, you know, our, our, we have a, it is the government's responsibility to allow us and the Canadian businesses to work and, and and do our business freely without scrutiny in a legal industry, and they have done nothing to address this, you know, but kudos to Bank of Montreal, uh, Alberta treasury branch uh, you know and and any of the ones that I'm forgetting <laughs> that, that that are dealing with cannabis companies, right so some some banks have you know put their foot forward and and come into the industry, right yeah so, and
0: and well, they should and uh, like I'm at uh, to to the point you just raised, and uh, not in relation to a cannabis company being able to use a bank, but I'm getting so tired of people not wanting to use their cards in our store because they travel to the U.S. and 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 yeah. and they're free, you know they're worried about that popping up when they get to the border. That's that's the other thing. of I'm, I'm just tired about hearing about it. If I go to the U.S., who cares? It's Canada. We're living here. Cannabis is legal. Why does this matter?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, this is this is. This is the job of the government, right? This is is why we elect. This is why we have elected officials. This is why we put them in office. We send them to parliament to protect our rights as Canadian citizens, not to legalize an industry and let us flail out there in the wind as if we're still criminals, which is exactly what happened.
0: It sure is. Boy, does this show that stigma is still out there big and strong? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. Totally. You are doing some fascinating work, Tanner. I really appreciate you telling me a part of the story of what you're doing at Stewart Farms. And that kind of just naturally leads me into my hot seat questions. Are you ready? Hey, let's do it. All right. So what's your favorite cultivar?
1: Uh, so right now I am loving the Royal Cush, Mandelbrot's Royal Cush. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I grew it, grew it in my outdoor this year and it's got beautiful Myersine terpene in it. It's, nice. It's great.
0: Excellent. And do you prefer joints or vape?
1: I absolutely prefer joints, Damn. and will for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I sort of understand that too. Uh, I do also <laughs> use a vaporizer as well, but I, I tend to roll joints just because it's easier. Uh, when you are high, what's your favorite munchie, Tanner?
1: Oh man, uh, it's it's chips. I'm I'm addicted to chips. Okay. It's they're there. They're...
0: <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah, we all have been. Do you prefer uh, edibles or flour?
1: Oh, uh, a flower,
0: flower, hands down, and uh, you know, flower and hash. Okay. Oh, nice to throw in the hash. That's, mm-hmm. that's a nice yeah. addition. So, uh, <laughs> one of the other things that I that I ask uh, every guest about, because I'm talking to people all across our country, and I am always fascinated with language across our country. So, is there a particular term uh, with you in New Brunswick that you use for a running joint?
1: For rolling a joint.
0: No, for running a uh, running joint, where it's it's bur- burning down the side on you. Oh, creep. See, yeah, there you creep. go. There's a new yeah. one.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, you never heard that one before? No, that oh, it's one, creep. That yeah.
0: one I haven't heard before. The most common one is canoe. Uh, oh, when canoe. I spoke to somebody out of Quebec, a white rabbit was another term uh, that gets <laughs> used. Uh, and yeah. now we have creep from yeah. New Brunswick. Yeah, does. so we
1: say, we say, oh, it's creeping. My joint's creeping. Okay, oh, you no, no, creep there, that, that totally right? makes sense.
0: And then one <laughs> other piece of language that I find changes across our country, and that's in how people refer to three and a half grams or what in BC we call an eighth. What, what do you call three and a half grams in New Brunswick? Uh,
1: three, and
0: three and a half, and a half. grams?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I'm just trying to think, actually. I th- a quarter, half quarter? I think we call it a half quarter? Okay. Does so that, you, sound, so does so that n- sound ridiculous? Absolutely. I'm, no, pre- well, I'm it does sound sure ridiculous. that's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but as I've determined, Tanner, that half quarter seems to start at the, at the Ontario border. and yeah. And from Ontario east, that does seem to be a common term. Because we always get people coming to the store and ask for half a quarter. And I say, oh, so you're from Ontario, are you?
1: Yeah, and that—that's actually the first thing that popped to mind. And as I'm saying it to you, I'm like, "Do we say that?" <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> I'm like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> I, I, the question I want to ask is, "What did did you stop your math? That you didn't reduce fractions enough? Is that what that's about?" Or, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, we will leave no, it there, sir. Remember, everything went east to west. Okay, go ahead.
0: <laughs> exactly, and and I just find it fascinating. Our our country is is so large and so diverse, and and yet there is some commonality, and yet just little tweaks. <laughs> That tell you the differences in, in the different regions. Fascinating story, <laughs> Tanner. Thank you for sharing it with me and uh, we'll leave
1: it there. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right, you have yourself Everyone. a great night. Happy 2020, yeah, 2021. 2021. <laughs> THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultival corner. corner. Oh yeah, cultivar corner. Please explain this stuff
0: to me. And on Cultivar Corner today, we are taking a look at a new LP and a new strain. Just came into the store in the last couple of weeks. And this is from a company out of Edmonton, Alberta, and they're known by the name Natural History. The parent company is Atlas Growers, uh, but Natural History is the brand that they're using to sell this particular product. And some cool ideas they're bringing to the table. We've talked a lot about how having the terpene information on the packaging is where we need to get to, and we're getting closer and closer to that. Uh, They have taken a different approach, kind of a similar approach to what Leafly was doing. If you've checked out Leafly over the last couple of years, you'll notice that they display the terpenes for the strains or the cultivars that they talk about in a color format. Color and shapes is what they use to denote the particular terpenes. Well, natural history is kind of taking that approach a little bit further. In fact, on the packaging, they have a color-coded array of what the terpenes are in that particular strain. Now, the issues with having a color-coded array to tell you the terpenes, there's no legend on the package, so you have no idea what colors those are. So you have to go to their website to figure out what those colors might actually be and that's where you find out a whole bunch more information. So that's one one piece of information or one piece of data that I think needs to be changed. Because I have now worked with a couple of people over the last couple of years that are colorblind. And so they look at this and they all look the same to them. So they do get kudos for putting the terpenes on the package. But they could have done a bit better job by making it a bit more understandable what those terpenes actually are. But let's give them kudos for the terpenes in here. So let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, I haven't even talked to you what the cultivar we're doing today is. From natural history, this is L.A. Cushcake. Mmm, sounds good, doesn't it? And here's the terpene profile. Well, first of all, let's start with the THC. So the THC on L.A. Cushcake is 23.9% on this particular batch. And here's the terpene profile. 34% is trans-beta-caryophyllene. 15% 15% of transnerolidol, 11% of beta myrcene, 9% limonene, and 9% alpha humanine. And there's a bunch of others as well. But those are the primary five terpenes in this particular strain of LA Kush cake. And let's have a smell. Oh. Oh, yeah. when I first opened this jar, and similarly now, this is, I think, the second or third time I've opened it. Oh, that is a wonderfully delightful array. So, some of that earthiness from the myrcene. Mmm. The beta caryophylline, a little bit of peppery in there. Oh, and a little floral from the linalool. Mmm. Mmm. Just delightful. Let me give you what these strains actually f- are from, where this comes from, the story behind L.A. Kush Cake. And, of course, I will put the link at CannabisPodcast.com, as usual, where you can find out a whole bunch. And I'm not going to read it all to you. You can read that for yourself. But L.A. Kush cake was created by combining Seed Junkies Wedding Cake with Kush Mints. That's the pairing on L.A. Kush Mints. I say, absolutely delightful aroma. Really love the nose on that one. I've got them ready. I've got the vaporizer ready. Let's get that up to power. One, two, three, four, five. And there we go. And now I also have the joint ready. So I think it's time we have a taste of LA Kush Cakes. An Indica Hybrid. 23.9% THC. Oh. Oh. And interestingly enough, the taste comes through from the joint as well. Mmm. Oh, I like that taste. A bit of the earthiness. Some of the floral from the little a little pepper. Mmm. Oh, that is just a delightful combination. All right, three hits off the joint. And And there they are. (coughs) I thought that was an appropriate point for a pregnant pause. And while I hung in that pregnant pause, suddenly, bam, my happy eyes are here. Oh, oh boy, I really like the taste of that one. Okay, I'm going to check the flavor profile over on the other side. Oh, mm. I have to say, I, I'm pretty impressed uh, with my initial feeling on this. Uh, while I wait for the vaporizer to warm up after a little power outage, I feel I eagerly want to pull in another toke, hold it in there and express that. Oh yeah really liking this LA kush cake. Okay, the vaporizer is ready. Let's see what it tastes like that way. Oh my my my. Oh, full flavor. Oh, more of that earthiness. And that little little just adds just a nice touch of floral scent to it and floral taste. Mm. I had hung on to this one for a little bit so that I could do the Cultivar Corner closer to the the right time of the night for an indica. (laughs) And I'm glad I did because, first of all, really good feelings. Mm. Mm. Nice high. Nice euphoria that comes along with that. My happy eyes are here, but I'm also feeling a nice body relaxation. (sighs) Ah. feel like listening to some tunes. Of course, if I did that, then you wouldn't be able to hear me, but <laughs> that may be for another time. And, and somebody who had also tried it mentioned the same thing, that it's really good for watching movies and, and listening to some tunes. So that would be an excellent activity to take part in. And let me give you a little bit more detail on this L.A. Kush Cake. With its high THC content, this indica-dominant L.A. Kush Cake was named Best Personal Flower, at the 2019 Emerald Cup Awards. And as they say on the Natural History website, while awards are great, it's the cake-like terpene profile that keeps this standout cultivar in our hand-picked collection of genetics. And of course, they also score multiple points because they call it a cultivar. <laughs> Thank you, the folks at, at Natural History. So, L.A. Kush Cake, I think I'm going to be coming back for more. Well, I think you'd have to agree that was a rather full episode of the Cannabis Podcast. And let me finish with a quote out of the Cannabis, the Canadian Weed Reader by E. Reed Ross. This is number 136. And I know you're not traveling right now, but let's just imagine that you actually could travel. And if you did travel to Dubai, you should take a break from your favorite pastime until your visit is concluded. Just ask Keith Brown, a British traveler who was arrested and sentenced to four years in prison after airport customs officials discovered a speck of weed smaller than a grain of sugar stuck to the underside of his shoe. So there's your advice if you're ever traveling to Dubai. Give up the weed when you're on your travels. And that wraps it up for this episode. If you ever have any comments about anything you hear or suggestions you have for future topics or people perhaps who should be interviewed, please send them along to info at cannabispodcast.com. That wraps it up for episode 63 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kate and I'm your host of the Pot Moms podcast. I started the Pot Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education along with some pretty rad guests to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.